0: This show is sponsored by Bloomerang, a solution that helps nonprofits like Shower Up, which is a nonprofit providing mobile showers and personal care for those experiencing homelessness to efficiently manage their volunteers and donors in one place. And thanks to Bloomerang, Shower Up increased their volunteer signups by 60% and first-time donors by making it easy to give right on their site. Shower Up's executive director, Paul Schmidt, said... Bloomerang is an ideal marriage of volunteer and donor management. The deeper we get into it, the more we love it. And if you want to see how Shower Up easily manages their volunteers and donors with Bloomerang, just go to jcsocialmarketing.com forward slash Bloomerang. That's jcsocialmarketing.com forward slash B L O O M E R A N G. Or visit the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome and or welcome back to another episode of Nonprofit Nation. I am Julia Campbell. Our topic today is something that's really interesting. It's something that's very important and something that I think a lot of nonprofit fundraisers and marketers need to be paying attention to. And it's the power of bilingual content in nonprofit fundraising and social media marketing. And if you've been paying attention, in the last few years, bilingual social media content has emerged as a tool used to increase diversity and rights for minority groups. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, other platforms, organizations such as Tide Pods by Unilever, just to name one, have released bilingual images that support diverse communities. And my guest today is an expert in bilingual content creation, Maria Ochoa. And Maria is the founder and CEO at Ompronder Creative, an agency helping organizations realize their vision by providing bilingual marketing services with content that is culturally targeted, impactful, and relevant to the Latinx community. Maria has over 20 years of experience working with diverse populations in California and Illinois. Her work in social media and content creation has allowed her to continue to serve and advocate for the most vulnerable members in our communities. So Maria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to dive in. I want to know more about you and sort of your journey into working with nonprofits and then how you came to focus on the work you're doing today.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, as you mentioned, I've been working in nonprofits for over 20 years. It's always been my dream and career to be in the nonprofit sector. And it really, I went into nonprofits really because I wanted, I had this desire to share our stories, our community stories, to tell our experiences from our viewpoint. And it just became clear to me over the years of working in the nonprofit sector the power of social media and how the incredible potential it had to build connection between nonprofits and their community and supporters, and it would expand their mission and build momentum for campaigns so this realization led me you know, into this leveraging communications and social media for nonprofits, and how to best use it and serve our community, the Latino community.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And you are listed on LinkedIn as a nonprofit bilingual and bicultural social media strategist. I've never seen that before on LinkedIn, so I was really interested in that. So how did you come to focus on bilingual content creation? You know, it
1: really, that journey started for me because my background is in fundraising and operations for nonprofits. And every time we would launch a campaign, I would always kind of do a promotion for creating bilingual content because when we were serving, I mostly worked with nonprofits that had a large audience or population that they served that were, by, that were Spanish speakers. So I would you know, really tried to get the nonprofits to create content in Spanish to outreach to those communities. So that's really how the work began. And for me, and it was just an opportunity to bridge the gaps and connect nonprofits with a broader audience, and more diverse supporters. And that's really how it started. And then learning about social media, marketing strategies, effective storytelling, and that all kind of merged to what it is today.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so important. And I see on your bio, your goal is to help nonprofits engage effectively with the Latinx community. Yeah. So it's so much more than translation. Can you talk maybe about that, like, misconception? So this is kind of, I feel like, my life's work. And this is kind of the 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 hill that I'm
1: willing to die on is that we do, the Latin, Latinx community represents such a large group. We're the largest minority group in the United States. We comprise over 18% of the total population. We have, Latina women have the highest spending power of all the different business women groups. And Latinx community really has a youthful population. We have large families. We have younger professionals they're very much in the digital space 76% are in the digital space from ages 18 to 65 and we're very much community centric so we're using social media to to engage and communicate with each other so really that's been my kind of my flag that I carry around and saying hey like include us in this space not just as a recipient of services but also as we want to be able to elevate and promote nonprofits as donors as professionals so yeah that's that's where i that's the connectivity for me it's not just providing bilingual content it's really looking at it as a community in a holistic way in a more
0: impactful and long-term way exactly you call it culturally targeted Can you explain a little bit about what that means to people that maybe are not familiar?
1: Well, you know, I do see a lot of, sometimes I see content that is translated, but one, they might not be using the correct Spanish. It could be Spanish from Spain, and you're predominantly, you know, we're Latin American countries. So that already disconnects your nonprofit from the European, your intended audience, or you might be using a very very niche form of Spanish. We're not a monolithic population, so we use language in different contexts. So we really look at, you know, who is this targeted for, and how is this targeted, and are we using the proper terms for this particular population, and are we lo- are we referencing the appropriate cultural nuances for this particular population. So it's beyond just doing being a Spanish post. It's we really look at, are we taking into consideration what's happening in the world and the news for this particular region, that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think, unfortunately, some organizations, even some businesses, think that you can just put a post into Google Translate and then have it come out perfectly, which is not not the case. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen of creating and sharing bilingual and and culturally targeted content?
1: Oh my goodness, the benefits are endless. I think, you know, it broadens your reach as a nonprofit, as an organization or business. It allows you to connect uh, with a wider and more diverse audience. And who doesn't love that? It increases your visibility and engagement. Inclusivity, you know, it demonstrates your organization's commitment to inclusivity making and prioritizing everyone regardless of their language preference. I think that's important. Cultural sensitivity is a big one for us. It's something that we're always kind of checking even ourselves as we're creating content is creating bilingual content that shows cultural sensitivity, respecting backgrounds and identities of, of everyone, supporters and beneficiaries. And to me, I think that's a huge where I spend a lot of time is making sure that we're not tokenizing uh, the use of our own language or images or anything like that. So we really try to be mindful of that. It enhances donor relations. It strengthens relationships with bilingual supporters. Believe it or not, we have big donors that come from, you know, Latin American countries that are successful business people here, and they just love when we are able to send communications or communicate with them in their love language and their heart language. And of course, I think the global impact of nonprofits, I've had the opportunity to work with some nonprofits that will do campaigns in Mexico or in other countries, and just to see that bridge, (coughs) excuse me, and to see that come to fruition. And I think that's a great way for nonprofits to expand to an international audience, to be honest.
0: Wow. So building reach and deepening relationships and providing that level of just like deepening that connection with your audience. Those are some huge, 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 benefits. So when we talk about creating this content, like going to the nuts and bolts. So what do you recommend? So are these are these different posts? Does it depend on the platform or is it sort of English and Spanish in the same post?
1: I think it's important to really take a time to address, you know, decide how you want to structure, how do you want to structure your bilingual content. You know, we do different forms. We either do separate posts where you we create a separate post in each language, ensuring that your entire audience sees the content and it's tailored to them, or we do two languages in the same post. That also works, and it's to include both languages within the same post. And then we do, for video content, we do closed captioning and subtitles in both languages. And that way you address both, you know, all your viewers or the viewers that you're trying to reach. So it really depends on both the platform and the, you know, what kind of content you're doing. But it's really looking at everything individually. I think, you know, social media for nonprofits, it just we really look at the work that the nonprofit is doing and which platform is the best to
0: maximize the work that they're trying to to elevate. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite platforms like what which ones are you seeing that get the most reach right now i I'm a big fan of Instagram. I
1: live in on Instagram. I think it's a very safe space for a lot of nonprofits for various types of programming and communications and just really. Reaching out that audience, I know that the Land community lives on Facebook. They love Facebook, and LinkedIn. Obviously, if you want to engage to, you know, B two B's or donors or your larger donor base. So I feel like those are my three. But if you're working in advocacy and political campaigns, I
0: think X or former Twitter is probably the place to be at. Exactly. Yeah. So it does matter. It does depend on your goals, which is always what I say and always what I teach. It depends on your audience, your target audience and what you're trying to achieve. But no, that's really good insight. So, who who's doing this well? Do you have examples you feel free to shout out clients or any work that you've done, but I'm I'm looking for like if I can put if I can send my listeners and get them to see this in action. Who is doing it well? You mean as uh,
1: agencies or nonprofits that are doing it well?
0: Yeah, either nonprofits or businesses that are using this kind of content and these principles.
1: The Latino Community Foundation is doing great. They're based out of Los Angeles. Uh, They actually have a bilingual donor page, which I love. Moms Rising is another one that really tailored their content in Spanish and English. And I actually... Mom's Rising was the first nonprofit that I received a targeted like ask in Spanish. And I have been a supporter of them since then. And that was like five years ago. And really it was that that postcard that they sent. So, so that was a postcard. It was a postcard. And it was in Spanish. And it was like we our community needs you. They were doing this voting campaign. And they wanted people to help write postcards in Spanish, and I think i I signed up and they immediately sent me like this envelope with a hundred postcards to do in my you know it was a community drive ask type of thing, and I just love everything that they do honestly. they do so much work in the by in the spanish speaking for spanish speaking not just donors but community and engagement. yeah,
0: no, that's a great point so what what about direct mail appeals? what's your advice on direct mail i it still works i know yeah.
1: people want to think that no but it still works we do i still work in fundraising i still do some fundraising probably not us i still like to be active just because i it's always changing and mail campaign still works it still
0: rains i even post pandemic yeah do you recommend sending them in in both languages or targeting it like the postcard was targeted? I think targeting
1: is and segmenting your audience. It's to me, it's like, you know, first get to know your audience. Segmentation is key. But to me, that's a effective, really, if you want to target a very niche group and you really want to see, I would say, doing targeted outreach.
0: Hey there, I'm interrupting this episode to share an absolutely free training that I created that's getting nonprofits of all sizes big results. Sure, you've been spending hours on social media, but what can you actually show for it? With all this posting and Instagramming and TikToking, does it really translate into action? In my free training, I'll show you exactly how to take people from passive fans to passionate supporters, and I'll give you specific steps to create social media content that actually converts head on over to nonprofitsthatconvert.com. Again, that's nonprofitsthatconvert.com and start building a thriving social media community for your nonprofit right now without a big team, lots of tech overwhelm or getting stuck on the question, what do I do next? Let me show you how it's done. I can't wait to see what you create. How... Like, how would you know? And for me, I'm just thinking of when I was a development director, I wouldn't even know where to start segmenting based on the preferred language or based on whether someone is bilingual or not. Like, how would we even start? What's the first step? So I
1: want to say, I think, you know, one of the things that I think it's really beneficial is when you're collecting emails, it's providing that, that, you know, newsletter page sign up provide one in Spanish. Just build one in Spanish and see who signs up for it. Promote it, of course, is another, but you get to know through your volunteers, events. I think when even smaller nonprofits, if you're doing events, try to to include two languages, even if it's a small portion of the event, just to start getting to know whether you this is something where you should be targeting or not. If, for example, you do an event and you have a a sign up in Spanish and you see a lot of people signing up, then you know that there's a there's a need out there for for your organization to maybe do more outreach in in other languages, whether' it's Spanish or any other language. And I think email sign ups creating a a simple sign up page where you promote that's so super easy to do. To do a bilingual sign-up page,
0: so that would be, that would be for anyone that goes on the page. It would be in both languages on the one web Correct. page. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and the donation page probably as well.
1: Yes, I think the donation page is a big one. I think social media is a big one. I think sometimes nonprofits hesitate because you know they're like, "Oh, I don't know who's going to respond," but you're not going to know until you actually post a couple times in Spanish, if that resonates or not with your audience. Okay.
0: I think that's, no, I think just experimenting and trying it out. If this is something where, I mean, like you live in Los Angeles and I'm thinking like I work, do some work with Boston public schools. And when we do big outreach efforts, we often create flyers and postcards and in multiple, multiple languages Yes. And it does get a lot of reach and people yes. really like it. I think because at the end of the day, it's like you were saying, people want to be seen, they want to be heard, and they want to be validated and valued. And if you're reaching out to them and at like speaking their language, you know, metaphorically and literally, figuratively and literally, they will respond so much more. It's almost like your example you gave of mom's rising, where you you felt seen and you felt heard, and you felt like they understood you.
1: Yeah, and I felt very much part of their community. Just, I don't even think that they asked for a donation the first when I first got engaged. It was like, can you help us do postcards? And then it just became,
0: I wanted to help them in any way I could. Mm -hmm. What would you say to a board member, or maybe a board or an executive director, that is a little bit skeptical about... Doing bilingual or culturally targeted content? You know,
1: I usually, if I come across any nonprofit or board members that are just not, they're just not, you know, I always tell them the numbers don't lie, you know, go into your data, go into your database for depending on the nonprofit and the type of work that you're doing. And, and look at your numbers, who are, really be realistic about who are you serving, who are the recipients of the services. And I think we do a disservice, I say, in the nonprofit sector if we're not addressing our recipients and we're not thinking of them as long-term donors as well. So it really is an internal work of each organization, and, and it's a decision that they, they can embrace or they can ignore. It it really just comes down to that. But, you know, when I tell them, well, you know, if we're looking at things that are, that we're trying to, you know, I think in fundraising and nonprofits, we're always trying to look at different ways of engagement and reach. And say, for example, you're like, well, this year we only had, I don't know, 5% engagement on this particular campaign and we want to raise to 30. Well, how do we get there? You know, how it's really looking at
0: your population group. Absolutely. I really think that people need to start thinking of marketing and fundraising in a more holistic way, and not just sort of a something to check off a checklist or something that is sort of put in a silo and assigned to someone and then you never see them again and you never hear right. <laughs> you never hear what happened again. But I think what you're you're making a really good point, like the numbers don't lie. And for me, In my work with my clients, I do a lot of social media audits and social media campaign plans and digital marketing plans. And the number one, like number one goal is always we would love to reach a younger population. We would love to reach a more diverse population. We would love to reach, you know, brand new people who have not heard of us. And this seems to be a really, really good solution to those problems.
1: And we're it, honestly. The we're a younger demographic, we're a engaged demographic. You know, Latina women are are graduating from four year colleges at a higher rate than many other ethnic group, so or racial group. So, if you want to expand your reach, it's just really looking at this population, but it's looking at it beyond just the numbers. Is really looking at it as. How do we engage with this community? And is this community, you know, would they want to engage with us? And how do we do that?
0: In terms of short form videos, are you experimenting with reels, with TikTok? And how does that work? And what tends to be more impactful?
1: Yes. I mean, I think if you're in social media and you're not creating reels and and TikToks uh, or videos, You're missing out, honestly. This is a great platform of short storytelling. And it could be content that's fun and engaging, or it could be educational, or it could be, you could really use short video in so many ways. I love creating content and short video for nonprofits because I think it's a very useful and engaging way. Most people are not spending a whole lot of time reading posts or you know at least right now that tends to be the case so they're really just scrolling through five to ten to thirty seconds of video maximum and a lot of people are really looking at these platforms not only as an entertainment but as a delivery of news and services we're spending a lot more time in social media platforms Mm-hmm
0: absolutely i think i think so too and i think that the way that we're using them is definitely changing and that younger generations are are using them more for entertainment and media and less for social connections do you see that as well i
1: do i see a lot of young people a lot of young influencers a lot of young advocates using tiktok and in a very effective way as a form of engaging and doing storytelling it's i I also want to kind of give credit and space to those younger content creators that are advocating in our communities because they really are are creating content in is such a different and fun way that I would encourage anyone to 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 create space for those young content creators art advocates community
0: advocates mhm. How do we find people online, like you're saying, influencers or advocates that we can work with? Like, how do you recommend approaching them? It's honestly, it's community
1: engagement. I That's how I collaborate with uh, some of the younger <clears throat> content creators that are bilingual. You know, I my work is really around language and Spanish and communication. So I follow a lot of, or a few really amazing content creators. One of them, for example, is Maestro Felix, who's a mentor, and he has a large following, and he does a lot of work around college readiness for youth, and he does speaking engagement. There's another girl, Gabriela MC, who I follow on Instagram, who does a lot of speaking engagement. So really, it's being on social media and engaging and connecting. I think if you're not spending time to connect with your community via social media, you're missing out. And I think that's the power of real social media and organic, like, community engagement.
0: So tell me about your agency and some of the services that you provide. So we do,
1: you know, we do content creation bilingual content creation for nonprofits and we you know we we work with their specific campaigns so we might they might just hire us to do you know a rollout of a particular service or program like covers california or something like that and the nonprofits trying to reach out to a diverse community so we'll do a campaign for them like a six-month campaign we do fundraising campaigns, bilingual fundraising campaigns for nonprofits, advocacy events, that they're trying to get more community to be engaged. So, yeah, we really max try to maximize social media for different nonprofits. But we really work mainly in the advocacy space. So we have a very active community in social media, on social media and also on WhatsApp. It's a big one for the Latinx community. I'm involved in three different groups, and one of them is probably 700 young Latinx professionals who are really involved in fundraising and advocacy, in and, and at least in uh, California.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about WhatsApp. Yeah. We live in WhatsApp as well, so yes. So that's another place. How about ads? Where do social media ads or maybe Google ads fit into this content strategy?
1: You know, I run ads for nonprofits and that's something that I had to really look into and delve into because we that's another way of targeting your community of creating ads in a targeted and a strategic way. So yes, we do use ads for fundraisers, for advocacy events, uh So it's I I think if you're not using Facebook ads as a nonprofit and that's been I think that's a conversation that I always have with all the nonprofits I work with. And it's not a one-time conversation. It's like we just we bring it up again and again and I don't know what why, but that seems to be like a point of resistance for a lot of nonprofits because they think they tend to think as and uh, Facebook ads as, well, we're not selling uh, you know, whatever. But it's no, if you want to promote and have a higher reach, you need to do targeted ads for specific, you know, regions or for particular demographics. So yeah, that it's that we also work with nonprofits in doing Facebook and Google ads.
0: Yeah, we were sold a bill of goods when social media came out. So People still think it's free, but to right. really have an impact, whether it's time or a staff person or a consultation or an agency or whatever it is, there needs to be some kind of budget right. behind it. Yeah. And, you know, ads, I think, are getting more expensive and more, you know, it's it's definitely harder to reach people now, but still effective. It's still one of the most effective ways.
1: They are. And one of the things I always tell nonprofits or tell people is, you know, Marketing and social media strategy and communications is not a one-time, like it's not a one-pillar thing (laughs) or it's not a one, you really have to have, it's kind of like you have to juggle different balls all the time and, you know, different seasons, different times of the year might require you to focus on something else, but it's a constant, you know, it's a 365-day work. Fundraising doesn't start in November on Giving Tuesday, you know.
0: No, absolutely. It's a year round thing. And building that community when you're not fundraising and deepening those connections is so vital to the success of your fundraising campaign, you know, as you know. And if you just show up and do one post in November, it's not going to really get you. Yeah. It's not going to get you very far.
1: And, you know, I work with nonprofits that they'll do like a bilingual strategy and then. They've never done one and, you know, it's three months into the campaign and they're like, well, we're not seeing the numbers we want. And it's like, no, this is a long term commitment. I think it's also a thing to to really be honest and straightforward about it's if you're deciding to to delve into it. I highly encourage you, but I also encourage you to. To think about that, this is a long term strategy and commitment.
0: It absolutely. It's like exercise. It's like eating healthy. It's like any other commitment that you make to see results. You have to be very consistent, and you have to make you have to maintain it, and you have to do it for you know at least probably six months a year, and then once the momentum starts snowballing, it's a little bit easier to sort of see the ROI. But that that is the challenge with social media with any kind of digital marketing. It's not as straightforward as a post and then money rolls in. It really is raising awareness, reaching new donors and building your community that will sort of go with you wherever, wherever you set up a shop online. So that's a good point. Yeah. So Maria, where can people find you, get in touch with you and connect with you?
1: I live on Instagram, so you can find me at Emprender Creative on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. So just Mariocha for Emprenda Creative on LinkedIn. But yeah, I pretty much live on those two spaces. So feel free to DM me or message me anytime there.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. This has been really interesting, eye-opening, I think really helpful for a lot of my listeners. Um, Thanks so much for taking the
1: time. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but until then, you can find me on Instagram at Julia Campbell77. Keep changing the world, you non-profit unicorn.